Well, good morning, friends. Uh, it is uh, podcast number 307. This is for Monday, June 14th. I pray you are well. We're finishing up uh, Mark chapter 6, which has had a lot in it. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Jesus sends out the 12 disciples, the death of John the Baptist. Uh, Jesus feeds 5,000, uh, all of these miracles. And then we get to, uh, to uh, verse 45. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Um, the first word ties what had just happened together. It says immediately. Following this incredible miracle, following the feeding of the 5,000, um, Jesus, Jesus immediately made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. Uh, while he dismissed the crowd. So he sends the disciples out just at an incredible high note. He reveals to them that he, he can take a, a, a small lunch and feed a huge crowd, that he is compassionate, that he is caring, that he is loving, that he sees needs, and that he meets needs. And it's not, it's not based on what we have. It's, it's based on what he does what, with what we have, right? He made his disciples get in the boat. Verse 46, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain and prayed. Again, everything that Jesus did required um, energy. Um, at the end of this uh, feeding of the 5,000 and spending all this time with these people and, and ministering to them, energy goes out, right? The woman with the issue of blood, he said, I, I, felt, I felt something go out of me. I felt healing go out of me. I've been touched um, by this woman. And then he, he raises Jairus' daughter. I mean, all of these things are happening and they, they, they take out. So, so he sets the example that when you give out, you must take in. Remember when his disciples got back after he sent them out, they want to talk about what happened. He wants to get them away to feed them and to give them some rest. We need to take in. So he sets this example for them to, um, um, to, to rest and to pray. Well, he sends them across the river. Now, um, he sends them out and, and, and he sends them into a situation that he would know. I said river, but he sends them out across the water, uh, across the sea. But he sends them into a situation that, that, uh, that, w that was within their strength, right? Across the water that they had been on probably many times as fishermen. This is the second time that we see a situation uh, based on this. Remember the first time they were in a boat with Jesus and he was asleep and he woke up and calmed the storm. And this time he's not with them, but he was just with them and did amazing miracles. And so the word immediately, I believe, ties this together like a teaching point. Miracles were teaching points. They were not just miraculous things. They were also things to teach the disciples who Jesus was and that they could rely on him and they could trust him. This um, Jesus walking on the water is mentioned in three of the gospels. It's not mentioned in Mark, but it's mentioned in Matthew. And this is the same situation where we have Peter walking on the water. Mark 
doesn't mention the situation. But remember, Mark speaks from Peter's perspective, and so maybe Peter didn't want to talk about this um, <clears throat> this amazing time of walking on the water, and then also this amazing failure when he when he goes into the water. And we like to give Peter a bad time, but the rest of the guys stayed in the boat, right? Peter walks on water like Jesus, takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to fall. Uh, Mark doesn't mention this, and this is from Peter's perspective, and, Mark, and maybe Peter just said, no, we're not going to put that in there for whatever reason. John doesn't mention Peter walking on the water either, but he, all, but he mentions something that the others does, don't mention, and that's that immediately when Jesus gets in the boat, they're at the shore. Boom. Immediately. So another part of the miracle. Again, it's it doesn't mean these things counter uh, counteract each other or contradict each other. What it means is that each disciple, led by the Holy Spirit, put down on paper what he felt the most important things to learn from this situation were. They didn't get together and say, hey, let's write this or let's write this. No, they wrote from a different different perspective. Like eyewitnesses at a traffic accident, right? We see things differently. And when we see things differently and the the police get together and they compare our stories, um, they get details from all the different witnesses of what they saw. Verse 47. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he, and he was alone on the land. He somehow got the rest of the people to leave and he got the disciples to get in the boat and Jesus goes in the mountain and he prays. Who knows what he's praying for? He could have been praying for the events of the day. He could have just been refilling his tank, spending time with his father. He could have been praying for what was next, and that was what was happening on the water. And he saw that they were making um, headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch, which is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. He meant to pass by them. Why would he pass by them? I've thought of this, but I've never thought of the way Wearsby puts it. I, th I, th I think this is, this is pretty good. Three reasons he said why Jesus meant to pass by them. One, he wanted them to recognize him. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the situation, uh, he wanted them to recognize him. He wasn't forcing himself on them. But he was walking in the situation, which, number one, should have calmed them that he was beside them. In the first situation when, when the storm came up, uh, Jesus was in the boat. This time they're alone. But they've just seen how Jesus fed 5,000 people with a small lunch. And immediately he sends them away. Immediately, while they're in the, the, the excitement of the moment, immediately he sends them away. And again, not into a situation they would be unfamiliar with. These are fishermen. They knew the wind. They knew the seas. Second, he wanted them to trust him. I took care of you the last time. I just fed 5,000. I've just healed. I've just taken care of a bunch of things. I sent you out by yourself. And great and mighty things happened while you were out by yourself without me. I got this. I got this, right? He wanted them to trust him. Turn to Psalm 23, a familiar portion of scripture, obviously, to so many. We hear it at so many funerals, really. I've been asked to say this and read this psalm on many occasions at a funeral. 
Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Not my name's sake, but for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus is the same, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8. Yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. But again, these disciples are getting to know him. But what are they finding out about him that would cause him to trust? Again, that he's compassionate, that he's caring, that he's able to, to calm the waves, the wind, and the sea, and able to calm your hearts as well. Third thing is he wanted them to invite him into their situation, into their boat. Again, this is from Wearsby. And I like this. He wanted them to invite him into their situation. Jesus doesn't force himself into our situations. He waits for us to invite him into the situation. What situation might you be going through that you haven't yet invited him in? Inviting him to come alongside, invited him, inviting him to, to, to have his way, to, to fulfill his purpose. I'm reading a lot about Joseph because our church is uh, studying the life of Joseph and, and um, about the providence of God, about the direction of God, about the guidance of God, about the protection of God. In the midst of every situation, he's there. We get into troubles. Uh, we have different circumstances or things come about us that are overwhelming. And, and sometimes we think we've done something wrong. And yet it's just Jesus in the midst of the situation, um, using every situation, even causing every situation for his good and to strengthen us. The disciples had just been through a, uh, a dramatic and amazing thing. And it ties together. We'll see that in the last verse of this. It ties together that they should have taken the, the teaching and the training and the, the miraculous provision of the of the of the meal for five thousand, and learned from it, and thought, "Ah, the storm is pretty bad." But Jesus just fed five thousand. The storm is pretty bad. The winds are pretty bad. The waves are pretty bad. But we can make it. We can make it. As they look up and <clears throat> and they look and see Jesus, verse forty six. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. I I don't know what I would have done. I don't like boats, so I probably wouldn't have been on the water. It's three o'clock in the morning. But Jesus had instructed them to go. And with his instruction comes his provision. With his instruction comes his provision. If Jesus said go to the other side of the lake, go to the other side of the of the of this of this body of water, this sea then he must mean that there's something there for us to do. But see, on the midst of our journey to our destination, let's not get a destination disease. Let's learn along the way as well. Let's read the signpost. 
let's let's make the right turns let's let's learn along the way let's enjoy the journey as well for they all saw him and were terrified but immediately there's that word again he spoke to them and said take heart it is i do not be afraid you're you're you've seen so much from me already and I'm the one who told you to go to the other side. So if I told you to go, go to the other side, I have a purpose in each and everything I tell you. And he got in the boat with them and the wind ceased. John says, and he got in a boat, got in the boat with them uh, in John chapter six, verse 21. And immediately they were at the shore. The little details um, from each disciple build the story into something so amazing. Um, verse 52, oh, and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. And they were utterly astounded. They'd just seen him feed 5,000 with a little lunch. And, and why do I know that this ties together, that this was a miracle that was supposed to teach them? This miracle of feeding of 5,000 was supposed to teach them. Because verse 52 says, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Miracles were teaching points. They were not just miracles. They were teaching points. They were points along the way uh, to, to, to look back at and to say, remember what he did here? Remember what he did here? Remember what he did here? If he can do that, he can do uh, all things. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John. Right after first, first and Second Peter, we have First and Second and Third John, and then Jude and Revelation. So First John chapter five and verse four. First John chapter five and verse four. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Verse four. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I threw you a curveball there, and. Read verses four and five. Let me read him again. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Everyone. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is our victory? Our faith. And where do we get our faith? The Bible says it's, it's a measure of faith is given to every man. Verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Not that Jesus is a son of God, not that Jesus is a good man, not that Jesus is a prophet, not that Jesus is one of the many prophets. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? They had seen the miracle of the 5,000. Immediately he sends them on their way. Immediately. Why? Because he wanted it fresh in their minds. He wanted it fresh in their minds. How often do we see and feel uh, God touch and move in our lives? And then the next day, the next moment, the next week, the next year, we're faced with a situation. And, and we're faced with the opportunity to invite Jesus into our situation. We're faced with the opportunity to recognize that he's with us. We're faced with the opportunity to invite him to do something and yet we go back to our, our, 
our old ways of trying to fix things ourselves, or or go to this person or that person, and and, and rather than uh, invite Jesus in, can I tell you that no matter what He does, each thing He does is not just about that situation only, but it's also an opportunity for Him to plant seeds in us for future things. What is it that you need to invite Jesus into today? You need to recognize him. You need to trust him. You need to invite him in. You need to recognize him. You need to trust him. And you need to invite him in. Let's pray. Numbers chapter 6, 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.